And thank you, Sarah. What a blessing. Uh, Christ alone. He is uh, all that we need. He's certainly all sufficient for everything that we need. We praise Him this morning and give Him thanks today. I want to encourage you, church family, if you haven't already contributed to uh, the Buckner Shoe Drive, please do that. Consider doing that. Uh, you know, I noticed in the, uh, in the uh, video, I didn't think about or always realize that all the diseases, bacteria, infection, all the things that you can get by going barefoot. Can you imagine that? So uh, if you ladies didn't have any justification to get some new shoes, so now you can go out and feel free and comfortable about purchasing a new pair of shoes and uh, call it a, a, a health need and uh, maybe that'll work at home. So, uh, But please consider giving to uh, the shoe drive. It's uh, worth our attention and our focus. I want to invite you this morning to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And we've uh, been walking through the book of Romans. And what a tremendous, tremendous letter that Apostle Paul wrote that gives us our foundation for salvation and also our focus on service. And so we, we want to think about that this morning. You know, last Sunday morning we looked at the first two verses. Uh, in the Romans chapter 12, we talked about the idea of dedication. Uh, how that we dedicate our bodies to the Lord, how that we dedicate our mind to the Lord, our will to the Lord. And as part of that dedication, that we become living sacrifices, the life that we live, uh, we live for Him, committed to Him. And so the next thing that Paul moves to is that, well, if we're dedicated to the Lord, if He uh, deserves our life and our, our thought, our transformation, and if he deserves our, our obedience to him, then how does that happen? Uh, what context do we dedicate our lives to? What does that look like in reality? Paul immediately moves in verse 3. This morning I want us to look through verse 13 to the idea of service. idea of service. So the dedication or the commitment that we make of our lives to the Lord is lived out in our life of service to him. Uh, how we give back to Him, the, the, the life that we do live for Him. And so listen to what he says, beginning of verse 3, and we'll come back and, and look through verse 13 and uh, see what he has to say. But here's what the Word says. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of grace. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kind, kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bow with me if you would this morning. Let's pray together. 
Father in heaven, thank you for the power and testimony of your word this morning. That, Lord, you give us a, an understanding of, as we dedicate our lives to you, how do we do that? What does it look like? How do we really live it out each day? And, Father, that brings us to the thing of service. Lord, help us to be open to the truth of being dedicated to serving you and what that demands and the requirements of it. Now, Father, I pray this morning that you'll take this word and teach us. That your Holy Spirit be our guide through scriptures this morning. And, Father, we give all glory and praise to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, as Paul begins to uh, un- unveil to us or uncover for us this idea of service or our dedication to him and that dedication is lived out through service, uh, one of the things I want you to see with me this morning is that service is about relationship. You know, our relationship with God really is the foundation for our relationship to others. That we know love through our love that God shows us, that we know how to heal relationships, that we know how to establish relationships through the one that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly one of the greatest lessons that Jesus ever teaches us is how to serve inside of relationships. What, what, what do we do for others and how do we minister to others? And so this thing about service is really about relationship. It's about the relationship that we have with Christ and with each other in the body of Christ. How that together as a church and as believers that we can really be effective in what God is calling us to do in the world today. That without each other, separate from each other, uh, going out and trying to do our own thing, we have no effective way. God has designed His church to be together in the body of Christ to serve Him. And so that's the relationship that we have with Him, with each other. And so when you think about service, look at verse 3 with me. First of all, I want you to see that there's the design of service that Paul shares some information about. He says in verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So Paul is saying here, first of all, that in, in this design of service, that our service is always by grace, isn't it? It's by the grace of God, that God has given us grace to serve, that he's given us a measure of faith to trust him in our service. And so this thing uh, about service is, is always by grace. He says, for I say, through the grace given to me. Paul predicates everything that he does uh, on the grace of God. And this, he's a recipient of the grace of God. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, he says, By the grace of God, I am what I am, right? How many of us can testify to that today? That you, you are who you are, that you're where you are today, that, that you're, you're the person that you are today solely by the grace of God. But he goes on to say, And his grace toward me was not in vain. Paul says, look, that when God exercised His grace toward me, that it wasn't in vain. When Paul met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road that day, that, that from that day forward, Paul was forever changed. That uh, his, the grace that God showed him there in forgiveness and salvation was the very beginning of Paul's service of, in grace. That everything about his service really flowed from the fact that God had showed him forgiving grace, loving grace, salvation grace in his life. And so he'd go on to say, and I labored more abundantly. Paul said, I worked because of the favor of God's grace in my life. And so that our service ought to be 
from the same motivation, shouldn't it? Is if God has shown us any measure of grace at all, if God has done anything for us that we just don't deserve, that we ought to respond to that by serving Him. Somebody once said that grace, use a little acrostic of the word grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Isn't that what we have is that we're rich in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we're blessed in Jesus Christ because of His grace. And Paul, the motive for his service was because God had been so graceful to him in his life. And so our service should reflect that kind of attitude, shouldn't it? God's been so good to me, I can't help but to serve Him. Not only service uh, being by grace, but service is also in humility. What's Paul going to say in, in verse 3? He says, uh, uh, he says to uh, everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Anybody struggle with that? <laughs> you know, that, hey, I'm more important than somebody else, or uh, certainly I'm more valuable than somebody else. Uh, Paul reminds us that we serve in humility. Jesus Christ is the example of humility and service, isn't it? The Bible says that he emptied himself and he became, uh, he came to this earth in the form of a servant, the likeness of man. All those things are humi- uh, measures of his humility, acts of his humility. So for you and I to be bold or proud in our service to the Lord is an offense to God. It's humility. It's not that we're better than anyone else, but we may be called to different things in the body of Christ. And so we, we remember that humility. Listen, none of us deserve to be saved. None of us deserve that grace that He shows us. And so in humility we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you a third thing that Paul says in verse 3 about the design of service. First of all, not, not only that, service is humble, but it's, it, it's based on grace, but also service is serious, isn't it? I mean, it's a serious thing to serve God. He says, um, but to think soberly as God is dealt to each one a measure of faith. It's serious. Listen, I'm not, I, want to, I want to stand here before you and tell you today, you, you guys know me. You've known me for a while. And you know that I enjoy having fun. <laughs> that uh, when uh, uh, in, in serving the Lord Jesus Christ, it ought to be a, a fun time. It ought to be a joyous time. Uh, but yet it, it ought to be serious in the sense that we realize that, that it has a great importance to it. We ought to be serious about it in the sense that it ought to take priority in our life. And so when we look at serving God, it's, 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 it's a radically important thing that we do when we serve Him. We can't substitute it. We can't set it aside. Uh, we, we can't give it lip service. But, but it's important. How important is it? It's, it's important because it's life and death. It's salvation and separation. It's, it's light and dark. And, and so we, we need to look at our service for God as a serious. No matter what that service that God calls us to. No matter what the task is in the body of Christ. We ought to look at it as, as an act of service. Some of you the last couple of weeks have been serving the Lord here at church. You've been down on your hands and knees and... Uh, you've been putting flooring down, you've been painting walls, you've been doing all these kind of things, and, and yet all those things are in themselves an act of service toward God. It's serious. You see, Paul tells us about a design for service, and it all has to do 
with these relationships that we have with God and with each other. Let me give you a second thing. Not only this design of service, but how about the desire for service? Paul speaks about that in verses 4 and 5. He said, the body of Christ is sufficient. I want you to hear me. Let me just slow up and say this. I want you to know, the body of Christ is sufficient, but it's not always submissive in service. What does he say? He says in, in, he says in verse 4, he says, For as we have many members in one body. Paul says there's many members in the body of Christ. There's not, not a lack for people in the body of Christ to do what God has called His church to do. It's not a, a lack or a need, but why doesn't sometimes the work of God get done? If there's plenty of people and God has ultimate resources, then, then why does some things in uh, the body of Christ, why do some things in the kingdom of God lack? Why are we reaching more people? Why are we seeing more people come to Christ? It may be because we're not submissive to, to God's plan. There's enough people to get the job done. If it isn't getting done, why, why is that? You see, I think sometimes we're not submissive in our motives. Our focus isn't on Jesus Christ in church. To be honest with you, sometimes the church can get off track itself and it can lose sight of what the main thing is. What we're supposed to be doing And if we're not careful, instead of being Christ-focused, we can be community-focused in the sense that we just want to get people together and do good things for them. Nothing wrong with that. But why do we do that? We do that because we want them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we want them to know that Jesus Christ saves. And that only through Him can we have life and salvation. If we're doing it for any other reason. And we're doing it for the wrong reason. So we have to be careful. We, we, we can, listen, we can have a, a sufficient number of people, but we cannot be submissive sometimes to God's plan. And all the resources and all the manpower that, that, that we exercise here at church, if our motives aren't right, then we'll never be right. Sometimes it's a method, isn't it, that we look at. It's not God's design. It's not Him first. Uh, and everything else second in the body of Christ. You know, Paul says that, um, uh, that, uh, that, that there's sufficient means in the body of Christ. He goes on to say at the end of verse 4 that the body of Christ really is, 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 is different, but it's not, not always devoted. He says, verse 4, uh, but all the members do, uh, do not have the same function. That's different, isn't it? That there's many members in the body of Christ. That there's all kinds of people that uh, serve or are part of the body of Christ because they're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they're, they're part of the body of Christ. And they're all different. Every one of us here this morning had different talents. Uh, we, we have a, a composition of different spiritual gifts. Uh, and we're, we're all different. But yet we're here together for what one reason. One thing. One purpose. Right? You guys say amen? Okay. We are. And that, that, person, uh, that purpose and reason is to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. So that as we lift Him up in our lives and in our church family, that, that people will be drawn to Him. And so we magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but sometimes, we have to be honest, we're not always devoted to that, are we? I mean, because in all honesty, we're, we're not always, always participating in the kingdom work. If I were to ask some of you today, 
tell me about your life in Jesus Christ. Tell me what it's been like. A lot of your conversations would be about what I used to do. Yeah. It'd be, uh, you know, well, uh, I, I used to be a this, and I used to be a that, and I used to do this, and I used to do that. And, and all the evidence is, is that somewhere along the way that a lot of the people of God quit. Somewhere along the way. I mean, they just give up. They quit doing what they used to do. They quit doing anything. And they quit doing what they used to do. And they're not as active as they used to be. And they're not as regular as they used to be. And they're not as committed. They're not as devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ as they used to be. Still different, still equipped, still able to do all the things that God wants us to do. But in reality, there's a devotion deficit. Because people quit. I, I don't know where you are here today. But, but if you can really line up and say, well, you know, I used to do this and I used to do that. I used to do this. The, the next question we ought to be asking ourselves is, what am I doing now? What, what am I committing to now? Or what am I willing to walk away from? And so the body is different, but it's not always devoted. And that's why it doesn't always get the job done. And if you look at verse 5, you see the body of Christ is connected, but it's not always committed. You see, the connection helps us to do what God has called us to do. He says in verse 5, So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Paul says, look, we're many, but... We're individual, yes, but we're connected to each other. There's this strong connection that we have in the body of Christ. And so even with that connection, that's not enough if we're not committed to what God is calling us to do as the church. And he reminds us of that. Connected to God's plan, connected in His purpose, connected by His purchase, aren't we? We sang about that. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But yet we're not always committed to what God calls us to do. God calls you to work in His church and in His kingdom. After He calls you, you know what He does? He gives you an assignment. He gives you a place to work. If you look in the book of Acts and other places in the Scripture, that place that He gives you to work, it's in a local church. And He gives you an assignment. And in that assignment, you know, it's kind of like a an athlete, isn't it? I mean, God gives somebody, gives them talents to be an athlete and calls them to be an athlete. Uh, they choose the sport that they're going to play because you have to anymore. You can't play multiple sports because <laughs> nobody can keep up with it anymore. But I remember our son, when he was growing up, he was a basketball player. He played in AAU and then on in college and things. But, but he was an athlete and, and he had to choose a team to play on. Now, if his team that he chose to play on was having a good season. He played on that team. It would have been real easy to look over and say, gee, you know, I like that other team. I think I'd like to go to that other team and play with that. I like their jerseys better. All their uniforms look better. Or I remember growing up when he was in middle school and high school playing on AEU teams and travel all over the country. He went from North Carolina to Kansas, from, uh, from, from the Gulf Coast to, to places in the north all summer long. And, and our one hope as parents at the times we were able to go with him is that they would have an air-conditioned gym. 
I mean, that's all I want is air-conditioned gym. Because how many elementary schools around the country have an air-conditioned gym? None of them do. So I'm thinking, boy, if he's, and I knew he was wanting an air-conditioned gym. He could have said, you know, I'd rather play with a team that's playing an air-conditioned gym. It's a lot nicer. But what about where God's assigned you? Right? If he's called you into his kingdom and he's assigned you here at Garrison Baptist Church, then, then, then where's your place of responsibility and service? It's right here, isn't it? Oh, you know, we can look around. You know, we, we, we can look at... Listen, Dayton has no shortage of churches. Programs that churches have. All kinds of things that they have everywhere. And we can look around. And you know, as, as, as church members, we can look around and say, oh, you know what? I really like that program they're having over so-and-so's church on Wednesday night. So what I think I'd like to do, I think I'll just go there on Wednesday and I'll go here on a certain day and I'll go somewhere else on a certain day. But I want to, is that really God's design? No. He calls you and He assigns you for a reason. He wants you to fulfill that calling together in the local church. The body of Christ is connected, but it's not always committed. You see, our service is about relationships, building those relationships, growing in those relationships, trusting in those relationships. And when we begin to do that, then we'll see a dedicated life of service. Let me give you one last thing. Service is about responsibility, isn't it? I mean, Paul says in verses 6 through 13, that there's some responsibilities of service. Uh, the responsibility of exercising our gifts certainly is one of those responsibilities. And, and, and he really comes down on that in verses 6 through 8. He says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to you, let us use them. How much more? Is that not a call to responsibility? Having these gifts, let us use them. That's, that's the Word of God saying, you're responsible for using those gifts, right? There, there's an expectation of you using God's gifts. Why in the world would God give us such wonderful things as the gifts of the Holy Spirit without an expectation of you and I using those gifts? Without some kind of God, a desire in God's heart for Jesus' gifts. Now, I know a lot of you guys, you... Uh, you uh, love to go out and, and, and uh, you know, I'll put my hand up for that too and uh, be able to have all these nice tools to work with. Uh, and, uh, you know, a gift of God, spiritual gifts, a tool to work in God, kingdom of God with. And we want to have all these tools. But, you know, if, if you're really responsible about that, you don't hang them up and look at them. You get them out and you use them. So there's an expectation of use. And so it's the same way. Paul lists seven gifts. And there's many more in the Scripture, but here he lists seven. But, but with each one, he says, do it. Do it. Listen to what he says. He says, if you have the gift of prophecy, what does it say? Prophesy. If you have the gift of ministry, minister. If you have the gift of teaching, teach. That's what he's saying. This expectation. You've got it. Use it. Use it. For God's glory and for His kingdom. And so there's a responsibility of exercising our, our gifts uh, that God has given to us. Also, there's the responsibility of extending God's grace. Extending God's grace. How do we do that? 
You know, if the grace of God radically changed Paul's life, if the grace of God radically changed your life, then, then shouldn't we be interested in extending the message that, that Jesus Christ is, is a God of grace, that, that he loves you and that he wants you to know him personally? How do we do that as believers? Look at verses 9 and following. Paul gives us this idea of the responsibility of, of extending God's grace. Uh, verse 9, he talks about character. If you look at verse 9, listen to what it says. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Isn't that character? In other words, love for the right reason. Love in the right way. You know, sometimes we, <laughs> we, we have this tendency as human beings to love somebody when there's something in it for us. <laughs> right? In other words, if we're, we're getting something out of the relationship, then we love it. Or we love them as long as we're getting something out of that relationship. But when that stops, then do we... Continue to love. So he says, love without, love without hypocrisy. Uh, abhor evil. Cling to what is good. So that's all things about character. So as a believer, our responsibility in extending God's grace is to live a life that has character. That, that, that has responsibility that's upright in our lives. As we begin to do that, then we show... To the world today. Do you think we live in a world today that needs to be schooled about character? I mean, would it help some people that you know if they learned how to be sincere? If they learned how to turn away from bad things? If they learned how to embrace good things? Is that a good thing? Absolutely. Uh, in verse 10, it's about compassion, isn't it? That responsibility that we have to be compassionate toward other people. In verse 10 he says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. What is he saying here? He's talking about compassion, isn't he? He's talking about loving others so much and in such a way that we put their needs before our own. You know, there's another place in Scripture that that idea... Is, is, is brought out and Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 2, doesn't he? Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And he, and he goes on to say, and, and you know, don't look on your own needs, but look on the needs of others. In other words, put others' interests first. What about a radical testimony to the world that we live in today when we serve other people before our own needs? How much louder can we proclaim Jesus Christ when we're living with others' needs in mind and when we're willing to set our own needs aside to be able to minister to someone else and, and, and serve them in a sacrificial way? What a testimony. What a way to really share, extend the grace of God through our own personal life. In that sense of compassion. Verse 11 is about conduct. He says in verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not, not lagging in diligence, in other words, being responsible. Right? It, it's, it's, a, it's living a life of responsibility. One of the hardest things that parents face in raising their children, no matter what age they are, by the way, and, and I'm sure you guys know that some of your parents are here today are all, in all kinds of different seasons of your kids' age. Some of you got little bitty kids, uh, little tiny ones, and some of you got some really older ones. Uh, 
but your responsibility as a parent doesn't, does not end. Uh, the way that we affect that relationship and the way that we affect our kids changes. Right? I, I, I really used to love it when my kids were small because I was so much more authoritative in their lives. But now they're grown, I have to be more of a counselor to them and more of an encourager to them, and, but, but, but mainly more of an example to them. And so my life has to be one that, that exemplifies to them the right kind of conduct. How can I speak to them about conduct if my conduct isn't right? And, and, and so Paul reminds us of that very thing. And he, he says, not, not lagging diligence. In other words, fervent in spirit. In other words, excited about what we're doing. I, isn't it wonderful to know that we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ? We ought to be excited about that. And as we serve Him uh, in, in, in the way we conduct our lives. He says on in verse 11, serving the Lord. Well, if verse 11 is about conduct, then verse 12 is about convictions. Because listen to what he says in verse 12. He says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Speaks about our conviction, doesn't it? it listen, if we don't have hope, we can't stand in tribulation. And we won't pray. It's the bottom line. He reminds us rejoicing in hope. Well, we, we have hope. We have the, the, the greatest thing that, that a human being can have is hope. Hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have proof that that hope is founded in something that's secure because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And in that hope, it, it extends to the idea of being patient in tribulation. If we have this hope, we can endure tribulation. In other words, in that great hope that we have in Jesus Christ, then we can get through the hard times. We can claim that hope. I don't know, maybe recently you've gone through some difficult times. I want to encourage you to hold on to your hope in Jesus Christ. Because it's that hope in Him alone that will help you navigate the trials and tribulations of this life. And then finding that comfort in prayer. And then finally, verse 13 is about concern. Distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. That's having concern for each other, isn't it? You know, when we look at the church in the 21st century today and we talk about distributing to each other's needs, I can look around today and, and I'm really not looking at a lot of physical needs here in our church family today. But what I know about almost every family in our church today that, that some of you guys have a struggle. And in that struggle, you have needs. And so it may be the need for encouragement. It, it may be the need for... Someone to walk beside you. And so when we're distributing to the needs of the saints, it may be in the form of a phone call or a text, come on, or a card, or I'm with you or I'm for you, or if you need me, I'm here. And we minister to those needs. It may be someone to come along beside you and say, hey, brother, let me pray with you. 
Let me encourage you in prayer. But what it has to boil down to is our concern. Given to hospitality. Ready to meet those needs no matter what they are. And as we begin to do that, you know what happens? We extend the grace of God through the kind of life that we live as believers. Now listen. God called us to dedicate ourselves to Him. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And the big question is, how do I do that? How do I live out that kind of dedication every single day? It's by serving Him. By serving Him. Dedicated to serving Him. We live out that dedication as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Bow with me if you would this morning.